Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Did Black Panther cross that amazing billion dollar threshold? Do we have lots of Infinity War picks and quotes to dissect with you? And are we all caught up in Jessica Jones? Yes! And this is Marvel Movie News. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Marvel Movie News. Excelsior to you, our merry Marvelites. We are here with episode 171. Wow. That is so many episodes. Four to anniversary, and I still challenge you guys, do some anniversary covers. I want to see art. Uh, Ooh. Right? That'd be cool. I would love that. Variant covers and stuff. Yes. Oh, variant covers. 175. (gasps) They have four weeks. I like that. Have us us as different superheroes. Yeah, let's have like a challenge. Yeah. So, yeah. 175. And we are coming to you live from the local bar because Jessica Jones is frequenting many of them. We have to see a few in the show. <laughs> Different bars for Jessica Jones to drown the sorrows at. And we're here to tell you why you should be as excited as we are about all the news from all the studios and all things Marvel. And you can find us on iTunes at Marvel Movie News. You can find us on YouTube.com slash Popcorn Talk Network. You can also find us on Popcorn Talk's website, PopcornTalkNetwork.com. Follow us on Twitter at Marvel News PTN or at the Popcorn Talk Network. And you can find us on Facebook, which is harder and harder to use, at Facebook.com slash Marvel News Show. Follow us, like us, and most importantly on Twitter, where if you retweet a link whilst we live aunt manthony in the booth will retweet you where's that champagne bottle one billion dollar club for yes yes that's the thing that happens so much money yes. so much money a 200 dollars bottle of uh hogarth champagne i think there we is go. due for this crossover episode between those two things that and a streetwalker party oh that, that show uh yeah so i am uh koi jandro uh at c-o-y-j-a-n-d-r-e-a-u you can find me on twitter and instagram and where can they find you on the internet you can find me on twitter and instagram at markia mccarty that's m-a-r-k-e-i-a M-C-C-A-R-T-Y. And our associate producer, Ollie Dreamboat, is out mm-hmm. there in the world. You can find him on the internet as well. He helps us run this whole magic charade. And we're going to start, of course, with the biggest news of the biggest dollar sign, and that is Black Panther crossed a b- 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 billion dollars. So Like it was nothing. That I mean, 26 like days. nothing. Had a really strong showing in China when it opened, and that was uh, last weekend, I believe. So in 26 days, 26 days, Black Panther passed a billion dollars. And that is not just uh, a Dr. Evil <laughs> villain saying, or a Cartman saying, it passed a billion dollars. 26 days. Yeah. It is less than a month old, and it is worth over a billion dollars. Domestically alone, 521 million, making it the ninth biggest like like ninth ninth ever now they're quantifying that ninth adjusting for inflation all that's tricky but ninth of all time that's every single movie domestically period hard stop that that's if you've seen a movie 
This is number nine. And I cannot stress the importance of that. That That's not just superhero movies. That's not just the most recent movies. That's nine ever. It is in the top ten of all movies, and it's still going strong. Like, this movie has not slowed down. It is still number one at the box office. Not at all. And number two is Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. So, number one, Black Panther. Number two, Wrinkle in Time. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Yes. Two and then, and then if, you, if you want to, you know, quantify and categorize and da 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 then this is, right now, the number two superhero movie of all time mm-hmm. behind the Avengers and it doesn't look like it's going to stay number two and you have to keep in mind that the Avengers was a long time in the making starting yeah. in 2008 with Iron Man uh, where you had a you know Tony Stark introduced by Robert Downey Jr. and then you had everything set up with um, Nick Fury uh, Samuel L. Jackson um, you had the Thors mm-hmm. that happened in there and um, all of this other stuff to get you to the Avengers like you spent time with those characters Black Panther for people that didn't didn't see him in comic books before Civil War. He was Civil War, and now he's this. Yeah, and now it is second behind Avengers. And and that what you read there was a five movie lead up. There was all of this mm. this build up, and there was I mean from the beginning Avengers Initiative set it up, and there was this it was the first of its kind to have this team up movie, and it redefined cinema. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, period and then black panther had civil war in this and he was in like 17 minutes or whatever of black panther not not like uh of civil war and it wasn't it wasn't as much of a build-up because it only had the two years like there wasn't the the ability to learn all that stuff and this was a movie that everyone kind of like you know expected to do well and to do superhero well but not genre redefining big 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 so billion dollars for a movie uh is is a landmark so few make it there and this movie is doing it for all the right reasons and and it wasn't it's not a showboaty movie. It's a smart movie. And I it's really like smart. that. Like, it's, as much as I love Fast and the Furious, I'm really glad a, a smart story. movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's the thing. And it's like, and it's not the first person out of Civil War to, like, happen. I yeah. mean, and I love Spider-Man Homecoming. Never get me wrong with that. I think it's the right tone, mm-hmm. especially what we need. And I'm glad that we're going to talk about it, like, later, like, um, other yeah. things that are happening with Spider-Man Homecoming. But you also have to remember, Spider-Man has, like... A pretty epic nerd following oh, behind Spider-Man. And then um, Black Panther doesn't necessarily have that recognized of a following. Yeah. And then to have this happen with this, I mean, I'm glad that this nerd pump was primed. Oh, it's perfect. Um, I'm going to say beginning with Blade back in 98, mm-hmm. but um, perfected with Iron Man in 2008 and then so on and so forth yeah. um, into the mainstream to then be able to make this happen to Black Panther happen yeah, I mean, now. I'd, I'd argue Spider-Man is one of the big three recognition-wise. Like, you guys, yes. Batman, you're Superman, you're Spider-Man. Like, yeah, I'd people say, know, you know And, you know, Batman. We're not, yeah, yeah. DC, DC also. They, they got yeah. the, I mean, they, they have this, the big three. So for Black mm, Panther Superman. to do this is showing what the movie is in itself and mm. how it's affecting people and then, like, what it's doing for the world. Like, I can't get over that STEM center. Like, I can't get over the fact that it's, <gasps> like, having real-life ramifications. So Black Panther made a billion, 521 domestic. It opened huge in China. It's opening huge in domestic, uh, international markets. And it's not slowing down. So I'm really excited, like we've talked about almost every week, to walk into Black Panther and then walk into Infinity War. Like, I'm really excited yes! for that glorious not. 
nine hour, seven then, hour day. You know, depending on how that works, uh, might be Black Panther, Infinity War, Deadpool. Yes, good God. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, who knows? We could have the best nine-hour day ever. Yes, like, goodbye Sunday, but um, I don't hello it. awesomeness. I want it. It's, that's some magic. <laughs> Live on popcorn. So it's a good time to be a nerd. It is a magical time to be a Black Panther fan. And what's interesting to me, and I just found these quotes before the show that I thought were fascinating, is obviously yes. the movie we've heard about a four-hour cut. We've mm-hmm. heard a picture-locked four-hour cut because there was sound design and a score done for a four-hour cut, which means there's a lot of stuff that was not only finished but it was barely taken out. So that means the scenes were like so right close. on the cusp. So close. Two of the ones that I found the most interesting, um, the rap sat down with the editor of Black Panther and he said, quote, hands down the most painful scene to cut was one of Danai Guerrera and Danae Kaluuya. Is that how I say his name? Kaluuya? Uh, Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Yeah. Uh, Shiger, the editor of Black Panther said, um, they said that there was a scene towards the end after things go bad where Killmonger's in control and all that and we're talking about what are they going to do? What is Wakanda going to become? These are two powerhouse actors and it was an incredible scene with so many layers to it boyfriend and girlfriend general her advisor all those things that was painful to edit out and Mm. that's funny because that was one of the things when the movie ended i wanted one more scene with them like after he drops the knife i was like but what about them like (laughs) and it's interesting that that they made that that they knew that this exists as is he was no longer part of that inner council of uh nope yeah he did not have a voice yes umbaku was this guy did not yeah umbaku stepped up because that spot was emptied it's right the, queen, uh, the king that's treason hard stop like that's just how it is it's like yeah so, yeah you you chose you, you chose you chose right then when you mm-hmm. were standing nearby a collier and possible king yeah and then you chose you had a full beat it was a moment it was a powerful mm. moment and you don't not go against denai and then you chose again you never go against denai Guerrero, period you chose much less again later yeah. during civil war yeah during, yeah you chose again. I'm curious how much, or if he's in, uh, what capacity is in Infinity War. I'm, I'm oh, curious about going forward if that's our, because that's the if next time is. we're meeting all the Wakandans. Because he tripled down on that choice. So let's see if that character yeah, comes back. We know Baku's like... in, in Infinity mm, War, so I'm yes, excited we do. to see. So yeah, that quote I thought yeah. was interesting because that's a scene that I felt like, but, 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 but the movie was already, you know, a little over two. They they didn't want the four hour cut in theaters. We wanted on Blu ray. Yeah, uh, I think and we'll the, the actor, in. Daniel Kaluuya, is absolutely excellent yeah like, absolutely. excellent in how he uh depicts uh wakabi mm-hmm. who didn't exist didn't yeah. exist in the like he had to make him out of whole cloth basically mm-hmm. you have to fabricate him and it and it works yeah. if it's so seamlessly and i can't wait to see that scene i'm sure we'll get that in a bunch of others on dvd i hope we get them in the film i'd love to see a cut that's i like to lead scenes a bunch of the next guy but i love extended cuts more i like to see it in the fabric of the film uh, and then another sequence that was cut took place earlier in the film, but similarly developed dynamics between two characters. One of the strongest bonds in the movie is the one between T'Challa and his mentor, Zuri. And a deleted scene further deepened that connection, saying, quote, there's a scene between Chadwick and Forrest which sets up their relationship. It sort of lets you attach yourself to the father-son dynamics that later on in the film, you really feel that more. Mm. I was also wondering about that because he had a father figure in his father, but he also had this Zuri relationship that you felt the importance of Forrest Whitaker because one, it's Forrest Whitaker, but also he's like a, a priest figure. He's a mentor. He's a leader, but he's also really important to T'Challa. So I was curious uh, about that relationship and once again, just time constraints and, and all those things, but I'd love to see that relationship more deepened so that when he, when we, spoiler alert, when things happen, we, we feel it evermore. So. Indeed, because, you know, Zuri has that background of not only being out in the field as mm-hmm. a war dog, but he's also he's a consultant. And he's a he's a spiritual advisor. He's been a spy. So there's, like he's been so many exactly, things. Exactly. There, so there's a, there's this all these layers. It just goes on with Zuri. And then he's kind of possibly a replacement father figure or just like a father figure to yeah. T'Challa. So everything that goes along with 
you know, wearing that mantle yeah. for the king of a country. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's a lot. So I, I'm very curious about those, and I don't think uh, editors get enough credit. So yeah. uh, he was saying that his well, job is to have the pulse Oscar, of the audience. But, yeah. I mean, they do, but like people yeah. don't talk about like edited by, you know, like we, we talk about the director. We talk I understand about, what you're saying. Because uh, he said that his job is to have the pulse of the audience. So think mm-hmm. about every time you screen that movie, you have to go like, they like this and like reshape and reshape and you got to deal with every frame. You have to pick which take that the actor delivers and you also have to like have the patience of a Zen master. Yeah, which is why I adore the editor on Donnie Darko. <laughs> yeah. Like, For instance. Yeah, like you have definitely to really did know. a really good vision of that. Absolutely. And, every, and Danny Boyle, whoever Danny Boyle uses all the time, like that man's frenetic energy is captured in the editing room. So I just, editors, thank you for existing. Uh, moving on to my boy Spidey. Spider-Man, there are new details on the femme fatale character. And an updated description for Spider-Man Homecoming, the sequels uh, hints at a Bond-type character, as referenced by the Hashtag Show. So thank you, Hashtag Show. And this is supposed to be a Bond-girl-type international agent with the studio seeking a European actress in her 20s to play the role. So if Silver and Black didn't exist, that sounds like Silver Sable or Black Cat to me. Either one of those, to me, could be that character. Yeah, I I just... I have some mixed feelings about this mm-hmm. because I very much enjoyed Spider-Man Homecoming and how it was set high in school. high school. <laughs> so it wasn't Bond girl type coming yeah. in or like what a Bond girl type would need to exist in a story Agreed. with children. young high schoolers, with children. I like them to be teenagers. That right. It's not that just yet. Yeah. In fact, that kind of feels like that kind of taints it for me mm-hmm. a bit. Um, I don't want a femme fatale in it. I want, I want, um, you know, study room, you know, junior year high school, junior year high school, just one more. I wanted the Harry Potter escalation. I wanted like two, three more. Yeah. So I I totally agree. Don't need it just yet. My theory, Mm. Jessica Drew. Spider-Woman okay. is introduced. Okay. She stays a mentor role. She stays okay. adult. Spider stays, Spider-Man stays young. Spider-Woman is the older character. And then we have, because Jessica Drew in the comics, and the, the best times Jessica Drew has been lately is mm. when she's a mom. So not necessarily make her a mom, but Jessica Drew hasn't been introduced in the Marvel Universe, so maybe have her as an older figure, someone that, that Peter Parker gets really squirrely around. Right. Like when you're a little boy and you meet a girl that's really pretty and you're 16 and she's like 22... That yeah. causes a certain, like, flustering. I'm hoping that it doesn't take us out of high school. It just gives us a few scenes where she's, like, this figure that disrupts his, uh, you know, day-to-day normal life. Because I want it to stay in high school, too. Yeah, I really, really, really want it to just stay in high school. I think um, you kind of have, um, not not saying for Peter Parker's point of view, but you kind of have Aunt May for mm-hmm. that, like, older woman that's just, like, she's she's adorable. Right. She's adorable, but she's, you know... She's lived her life kind of a thing, or it looks like she will live her life kind of a thing. So I just, I don't want them to interject someone that is a a different note than what they've established so far. Because when you think about it, if you have somebody like that in a, um, some some of that character type, that that genre character Mm -hmm. type um, in this, like in a John Hughes type thing, then how do you also have that really great scene where Peter Parker is in the back seat of, you One know, of the best scenes which in was, Marvel. Which was so great. Yeah. Because you got that awkwardness. This this was, you know, prom homecoming. Yeah. It's your this was homecoming. Moment. It's an, being a kid. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like I just I don't want them to 
grow Take up I, I like this agree. yet. Yeah. It, so it, that's me. I want this movie four or five to bring in like, uh, you know, adult Peter Parker influences and stuff. Yeah. So the only way this works in my brain is the Jessica Drew angle as a two scene moment mm-hmm. introducing the idea of an older, you know, already established character and blah, blah, blah. But I don't want this to suddenly leap through senior year personally. So I agree. Yeah. Uh, too much too fast. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know uh, we, we've mentioned the last week or the week before that Silver and Black has been delayed inevitably. Uh, someone in the live chat mentioned. I don't think that it's done enough for them to bring in Silver Sable Black Cat to this. I don't think that movie is as dead as to bring that in. I actually think that we'll be hearing movement on Black and Silver soon, Silver and Black soon. They just wanted to get the script right. Yeah, and and if you look at Roxanne, uh, I'm sorry, Roxanne Gay. I just I just want her to write for <laughs> Marvel, and I just want her to write so badly. Um, uh, no, uh, Gina uh, Prince Bythewood. She was just like, hey, it's all about the script. Yeah, we're working on the script. So the script is important. I don't think so. it's dead, so I don't think that we're going to get either of those characters in this because then it would have to be. So mm-hmm. I love the idea of, of an older character. I just don't, like Marquia said, want that to change the tone of Homecoming that was so Homecoming. like it's It was right so, there on the name. Yeah. And it kept it special and different. And I love, we've talked about before, how Infinity War ends. And the first two movies we get are Spider-Man Homecoming, Guardians of the Galaxy. The most grounded, because he's a kid, the most cosmic, because it's Guardians. That's perfect. Yeah, I want um, layers and messy hair and not too much makeup, you know, yeah. and just like kid issues. You know, we all deal with adult issues. Give give this kid issues. And let kids have their hero. Like, yeah, let, let, let kids, them have that. Like, let, uh, like when we were, I mean, when this universe started, we were 10 years younger this generation is is if you were 18 when that came out you're 28 now so let like 10 year olds have a new hero like yeah. the 10 year olds that started with iron man are 20 now so it's cool to have spider-man homecoming to have kids discover their spider-man like when we got toby mcguire that first time it's cool to see kids be like oh he's like me so i think it's important to keep him there a little longer yeah plus tom holland is authentically young it's rare to have that talent in that exactly young no need to adult them up so soon so but we'll see we'll see what full this faith, um ends up being we're, we're extrapolating yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. no 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 we're uh, still going to see it. I mean, that's just happening. Yesterday. That's that's one of those ticket. things. Yeah, so, yeah. so just, I'm interested intriguing. where this ends up being. Same page. Same mm-hmm. page. Now, the most exciting image for me in the last few weeks, and that is not a hyperbole, because this single image has sold me on a movie that I was so concerned about. This single huh. image okay. is better than the entirety of Apocalypse. This single image Whoa. is a trailer for me. Whoa. I know. It's big. It's big. Up in the big board, we have... Frank Quietly's X-Men costume in real life. We have <laughs> the perfect X-suits. We have suits that look like they were from the magical love child of the evolution of the Deadpool X-suits and struck from the comics. I love these costumes so much. I also love that Jennifer Lawrence doesn't have her suit on so her hands are blue and her head is blue, but she's not made up. Uh, <laughs> I love that we... This looks to me like what I always thought they'd land on, and then, like, three movies went by and they never got there. They kept being, like, a little more yellow, a little more yellow. Backtrack! Back to black leather! (laughs) This is the landing. This is it. So... Once again, this movie's been very concerning. I'm not saying Mm. this erases all my worries. I'm saying this has me back on the oh, you have my attention side. Uh, because before I was like, I'll see it because it's an X-Men movie. Now I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm interested in more news. I'm interested in the trailer. I'm interested. Okay. Like, I'm back to being like, I'm back to being open-minded. I like, love that these outfits did that for you. I just want to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. We want to be happy. We want to be happy. <laughs> and we want to, you know, have it be, you know, its own story and not mm-hmm. something that has been shoehorned in as a B or C plot with yeah. no real character development because you have such a large cast and you only focus on specific characters as opposed to others that you're then trying to branch off into other movies (laughs) Uh, so 
I know, I know. So, uh, yeah, uh, the the outfits are exciting for me because of the time period mm-hmm. that it is set in. When you think about, you know, uh, a 90s Professor X mm-hmm. and, you know, 90s X-Men going out and what existed then and then what those outfits would look like. Yeah. That, that does it's bring right this home for me. So for that, I'm, I'm, I'm still extremely hopeful yeah. and optimistic for this particular movie. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing a trailer. I really want to see a trailer, and mm-hmm. I really hope this isn't the last scene. <laughs> remember, remember the last <laughs> movie where they were like, you've endured this, and now suits, credits. And I was like, but there's Wait. the movie I wanted. Like, wait. So, and I also, someone in the live chat, uh, Eon001, um, not trying to be nitpicky, but this is the 90s, right? Now, why, why not the Jim Lee designs? If you oh. think about it from a storytelling standpoint, mm-hmm. we've had very minimalist suits up until this point. This very. is a step towards that. This is a realistic costume towards that. If you went from black leather to full-on, you know, blue with yellow arsenal pack Cyclops, and you went, like, full Cape Storm, which they could do at the end of this movie, then you can evolve these costumes. I would love if this is the intro costumes, and then we evolve more and more and more, but it'd be very jarring for me to go from black leather through to 90s Jim Lee. I'd love that, but I'm not sure if audiences would believe it. Yeah, I mean, you'd you'd either have to really start there and then have that be the tone, Mm kind of like Thor Ragnarok did with um, going full Kirby. Yeah. It was just like, hey, we're there. This is where we live. This this is everything. Right. And you knew that from when... Well, from when uh, Thor, like, all this exposition, and then Thor's, like, turning. He's like, wait, wait, wait a moment. Wait. And that movie's very specific. This would be hard to do in an X-Men movie. We haven't earned that yet. Not earned. We haven't gotten to the point of, like, trust with the characters yet, because we just met a lot of them. Yeah, so... So I'm very excited for this. It has me open-minded again. Uh, just that one image. And uh, in hopefully obvious news, Ty Sheridan has come out saying that Jean, Ga- Jean Grey goes crazy. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, she needs to. Uh, saying, quote, Jean goes crazy in the movie. Well, Cyclops doesn't think she's going crazy. Cyclops just thinks she's got to work some stuff out. It's interesting. The drama in the movie. We treated the movie as much more of a drama versus a superhero film. That is exciting. That, that is, is what they need to do. That is a good way to go about it. Because um, one of the ways that I feel like uh, superhero films exceed, you know, uh, expectations, they succeed, mm-hmm. uh, is that they focus on being a genre. Right. And then you have superhero elements in it. Winter Soldier changed superhero movies. You know, or it's just it's so permeated in the culture itself that it is completely normalized. Mm-hmm. So then you can get past that. And then you actually look at the message that it's saying, like with what Black Panther did with Wakanda, mm-hmm. for instance. Um so yeah, so if it if it has it where it is a drama yeah. with superhero elements where it's just like, you know, Phoenix Force and Give me Girl Interrupted, the Phoenix saga. I am there. You know what I mean? Like give me a <laughs> Just... very psychological, like give me one floor of the cuckoo's nest with the Phoenix. Like give me something that's grounded and then have like elements. Like that's what we Yeah. Want. Like grounded, but don't take away our fun. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. Basically that. So But and if they're going that way, I'm excited. We've never seen anything Simon Kibberg's directed because he's never directed before. He's written, he's been involved with the X-Men franchise this whole time. Do we know what the budget is for this movie? Hopefully huge. Because yeah. Phoenix, like and they, they so, but he's like He's never directed before, and he's got this huge budget. I hope yeah. that I hope that that's part of like news. Well, yeah, they... I mean, hopefully the AD and like the team behind him, mm-hmm. and, and like the the leap of faith we took with the Russo brothers from TV to to, to film was was very warranted. But they had right. directed TV, so this yeah. is interesting because this is a writer. So this is a huge budget to yeah. give someone who has never directed anything before, right? So we'll see. Yeah, and we'll 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 see. Back to open minded. Back to excited. Yes, definitely, definitely. We'll see. Speaking of being open minded, New Mutants. Uh, they are apparently adding a character in reshoots. 
Now, the reshoots are pushing the film a bit, and reshoots have not been... There's been no established uh, public statement as to why they're reshoots. There's been rumors that they're looking for a different tone, making it scarier, making it more like the trailer. There's like <laughs> there's basically playground like gossip about New Mutants, but we haven't had them come out and be like, this is the thing. We do have quotes from the actors, including Anya Taylor-Joy, who recently talked to the playlist, saying, I do think there's a great responsibility to make sure the movie is done right, and I think we deliver the fans something they can all feel happy about and be excited about. So, I don't think it being delayed is a bad thing, because it definitely more important to make sure that we get it right than rushing to make a date. So, hopefully all these reshoots and adding to the new character will give the fans an altogether satisfactory, wonderful product. Mm-hmm. Don't rush. Make it right. I'm curious. I hope it's Warlock. Uh, uh, the new character. Me, I still think it's like Demon Bear. <laughs> I think we got Demon Bear. Do you I think, think he's in there? I think they might... Is- I, well, I think Remember they that? might have. I think they might have had it as more of a, you know, a, like this is a, a powerful force, at such Got and such. It. And then, like, they actually like, well, you know what? Uh, maybe we have to double down on this and like the horror aspect of having Demon Bear. And they but I do en- Demon Bear. I do enjoy Warlock being in there though, because uh, that that would be fun. Be fun and be and different. then it's like, how are they going to do Warlock? Yeah. I mean, are we going to go there all the way? Because cyber all the way. Cable cyber organic. Because then, but then you have to think of like the world where they have it where it's like, hey, um, yeah, you're mutants, but you're sick mm-hmm. and you need to, we need to fix you right. so that you can then go out into the world. And if we can't fix you, you don't belong in the world. Yeah. So then if you have this character that's, you know, part, you know, techno organic virus. Exactly. If you have, like, if you have that, text. then doesn't that kind of destroy that the setup of that world it depends how they set them up it's, it's it really it really, it really does depend it really does depend but if they tie it into cable then you get this awesome opportunity to tie the deadpool and new mutants world in together you get the mm-hmm. opportunity because he gets the virus and that's why he needs the arm and he's infected like cable is really interesting because he's constantly fighting this virus that is eating him alive but he uses half of his mental ability to keep it at bay so he's actually even more powerful but he doesn't get to have that so if you introduce warlock you can kind of segue plus it'd be cool mm. to see that character on film if they do it right yeah i just wonder about the world that they set up because yeah. it's seems like it's it's it seems like it's such a realistic world mm-hmm. um so i just wonder what how they would deal with somebody who is a person like warlock right so it's like how how do you make that fit but then of course that can be a commentary in and of itself oh, of course because you know a lot of people like to ignore things that are definitely there because it does not fit into their well, world hated and feared by others what how do mutants react to someone that hates and fear like like mm. mutants have been ostracized right what yeah. if there's a character so crazy like warlock that mutants have ostracized him like is that not a commentary on the people that have been put down? So people that have been like treated like lepers, how would they react to someone that's even weirder than them? Like Instead of embracing, liars. then they are like, oh, I can stand on the back of this person exactly. because I'm more human Look than they me, are. I'm better than that. So, and that's kind of what so I was it's like. interesting. The, it all depends on who this new character is. Right. I like our And that's why so. I like the Morlocks. The Morlocks were always cool because the Morlocks were characters that were even beneath the what the mutants considered acceptable. And the Morlocks were like, how are we lower than low? They're literally underground. And that's what I hope they do for Gifted Season 2, which Zayas Bilu, I totally agree that's i think they can go there with this giant x-men universe we've built and we just had guests walk in that are gonna be joining us for jessica yes, jones and we're not being rude they just walked in <laughs> we um, did not introduce them 10 minutes ago yeah they, they haven't just been sitting here <laughs> lurking in shadow yes uh we have joelle monique and you know her from collider in fact she just did collider heroes with myself and koi on yes, this monday yeah. yeah yes um, just yesterday yes and she does uh um uh, Black Girl Nerds and also a uh, writer for Black Girl Nerds and does a number of shows here on After Buzz TV. Sure do. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm super excited. 
It's like the day I've been waiting for. I was like, when is Marvel movie news going to call me? And they <laughs> it's beautiful. Deep Jessica Jones dive. That's yes. the day. Yes. So we're probably going to go a little long today, and we started a little late. So who knows what this show might have run into, but we haven't gotten to Jessica Jones yeah, yet, and, and we indeed, know you're waiting. And sitting next to her is uh, Sabina Graves. You've seen her on Marvel Hi. movie she's news been before. before. Uh, she's on Superhero News. Uh, and Excited to be back. Exactly. Uh, and writer extraordinaire, director extraordinaire. And I have uh, um, some really great pictures of me on Instagram, <laughs> thanks to yeah. this lovely woman. And we, we also will be discussing two versions of Jessica Jones. We're going to do a spoiler-free, and we'll let you know when and how that ends. And then we'll do a spoiler-full. So if you're watching this show, having not gotten the end yet, we got you. You're safe. And then uh, we'll, we'll let you know, and we got you. Uh, but before I move on to out of the Fox universe, uh, a couple of people in the live chat have asked me about the Deadpool 2 rumored uh, problems. Um, it is so early and i did hear those rumors and i did hear like you know the, the problems with the tone and the problems with the runtime and all that stuff but i also then when i dove deeper and if you look at a frosty collider they've, they've kind of like debunked it one guy uh a dude was saying how bad deadpool was and then the rumors because of the hype of deadpool have spread around to oh, like whatever name of name of name but it's a big enough story like a bunch of news sources ran it because mm. they thought it was multiple sources it was one guy there's always one person that's like a there's contrarian so fox yeah, is actually suing me. this dude and what? uh it's, it's this whole thing so deadpool 2 uh take everything with a grain of salt if you hear it because it might be all coming from one source and we don't even know if homie was in the screening so like it <laughs> Literally, could be like one guy, like I'm a leak that Deadpool Two is bad, and the internet's like, we wanted news, and then it did this whole, you know, eating its own tail thing. So don't listen to that. I just had to comment on it because enough you asked. Uh, fake news. <laughs> um, we'll yeah. see where it lands, but as of now, Deadpool Two could be the greatest thing to happen to life since Black Panther. We don't know. Right. And our, our guests are joining us for uh, the Jessica Jones review, um, but feel free to dive in on any of the topics that we're talking about too. Yeah. 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 So by all means, yeah. So if you guys, by all means, just. Uh, Chime in. There's there's much to discuss, including Sammy J. Uh, Samuel Jackson has fans <laughs> speculating that he's a scroll. Now, Samuel Jackson himself shared photos which show him getting a life cast, and it's green. Yeah, and- which doesn't ha- which doesn't <laughs> help the so I'm not a scroll, <laughs> right? Yeah, like it doesn't the help the I'm not a scroll argument. <laughs> You've, you've, have you done these before? I have. It's it's oh, it's, it's the most stifling. claustrophobic I've ever it's been. It's stifling. They literally stick straws mm-hmm. in your nose mm-hmm. to keep those you know the nostril nose open, and everything else is just under this warmth that eventually turns cold and hard on your face, and oh you just God. lay there. And yeah. this this and this isn't this isn't minutes. This is like hours. It has to dry, and then they have to like get it off you and crack it open. And also, the crack they like is hit, the loudish. They hit awesome. like on the side of your head yeah. to then like slowly peel it off. It's a Can whole you thing. Wear like earbuds during that. Depends on what they're casting a mold of. Yeah, because like sometimes they're trying to get certain like you know Detailed. shape of that. So <laughs> I've done this for a couple different things, and every time it's like a traumatic, claustrophobic like. Like buried alive nightmare. You literally oh, have to go to your Zen place. Yeah, for a while. <laughs> and you live there. Yeah. So this is for something involving Captain Marvel. Everyone's assuming scroll. The green didn't help. Uh, when <laughs> I did it, it was like a blue color, so that would have helped. But the green on this <laughs> definitely made people think it's uh, it's scroll based. But to me, like we know Captain Marvel's eye patch origins Wolverine. Like we know we're getting like that that story of how that happens. So to me, this could be anything. And I loved what you said on Heroes. And what what's your theory? Yeah, because um, yes, we know it's Wolverine, but that's like. Comics. Like, mm-hmm. Did he establish that in the MCU? I think he just uh, alluded to it. Oh, but sorry. He didn't I, say... I was making a horrible joke. Uh, I patch origins apostrophe Wolverine. I wasn't saying Wolverine's involved. 
Uh, uh, <laughs> so when go. the joke's so bad, you have to explain it. Yeah. So here we are, internet. Here we are. Um, but yeah, my my theory is is that um, uh, you know Captain Marvel is presented with a type of dilemma mm-hmm. where she's uh, she's got two Nick Furies right there. What's one to do? And something happens, and our actual Nick Fury gets his eye like slashed. Yeah. But then that's the way that she can tell him. Uh, versus the scroll makes sense so the old parent trap situation <laughs> we'll see but uh, i don't think he's a scroll i think that'd be too easy mm, i just i feel like if he's a scroll that 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 gives that negate well one uh, in winter soldier he got a surgery so when was mm-hmm. he a scroll was he a scroll only in the 90s was real nick fury back when you were, up on a scroll, were scrolls the ones that were operating on him so he was never <laughs> everyone's a scroll <laughs> <laughs> Joel had something to say about this for um, on Heroes though, with like the whole scroll uh, Sammy J. I just say thing. when Samuel Jackson shows up into any large franchise, which we saw with Star Wars and his purple <laughs> lightsaber, he makes it very clear like you have Samuel Jackson, you're going to use Samuel Jackson. I'm going to be the plot of a major twist. And the last time we saw him do anything of like hefty significance is Civil War. Yeah. Um, and so it's time. It's time to say, like, he's been just lurking in the background. We know Fury is this type of character anyway who's able mm-hmm. to just pull a Batman and just show up and rock everyone's world. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of hope it's not a scroll since we're already all guessing that. I hope Marvel has, like, a deeper I don't feel like they would have let us. that image come out if he yeah. actually was. <laughs> like, we know Marvel's had some slips, but they're usually pretty good about letting us know, like, that poster wasn't supposed to be shared right, on Instagram, right. little boy. Like, he's not a <laughs> Ruffalo. He's not Ruffalo in this year. I feel like they would have had a statement at some point, like, oh, no, my phone's on. Like, I feel like been a lot more quieter than usual online. There we go. My favorite Ruffalo moment. Oh, poor Ruffalo. <laughs> Because he's such an old dad move. You'd just be like, what? And the, Is it online? The last oh, no. frame of his face, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just don't picture Samuel Jackson pulling that. Like, if the no, dude is, like, no. too cool for school to accidentally, like, reveal a moment. But if he does do it, it'd be a great, like... It's either us assuming too much or not enough. So I'm very <laughs> curious watching the movie what it is and how it lands. Oh, we'll see. So we'll find out. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, speaking of the follow-up to how they shape out the scrolls, Infinity War had new photos released and they are all awesome. Because anytime you get any of these mm-hmm. people standing in a room or on a set taking a photo is hype, 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 hype. Yeah, so we have uh, Entertainment Weekly uh, release these. And uh, the first one, uh, for our iTunes listeners, uh, it shows uh, four of our major heroes. Uh, it has Doctor Strange as Tony Stark it has um, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner. He is Bruce Banner. He's not Hulk. Uh, and then also uh, Wu. Wu? Wong. Wong. And we also have Wong. I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and we also have Wong. And uh, they're definitely staring off into this. This is something. There is rumble going on in the background. Doctor Strange has his hands up, as does Wong. Uh, it looks like they can barely believe what they are seeing. But uh, Strange and Wong are up for battle already. And can we just point out, in this one photo... We have not just the science bros in the middle, but on the right, we have facial hair bros. There's a lot of bros in this one image. I've just got to point out the happiness, the facial hair bros, and the science bros in one picture gives me. Science and magic, two great tastes that taste great together. (laughs) And and throw in a dash of awesome mustache, boom, you got yourself an Infinity War. There you go. The worst call ever, and not letting Superman keep the mustache. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> what they could have been? Oh my god! <laughs> they got facial hair going on, and that's yeah, it makes agree. sense because like if he's dead, like hair grows out of like a corpse anyway. And a perfectly coiffed <laughs> mustache. Oh yeah. Because 
Well, it's Superman. Yes. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, equal parts Clayne Crawford on Lethal Weapon and Superman and Man of Steel. That inspired this action. So uh, I'm just <laughs> saying, facial hair bros running the game. It's an option, society. Uh, so that picture is great. Can we flip to the next one, Aunt Anthony? And then I just, every time I see the sleeves rolled up, it just gives me that, like, ready. Steve's ready. Like, there's just, there's just such a hyper, like, I'm going to take everything out. Like, I love that Nomad, which is effectively who he is, uh, whether he calls him that or not, whether that's a story point or not, when you debadge Captain America, like a 95 Civic, mm. that is Nomad. Like, that is that is what he looks like. So I'm going to keep calling him Nomad. But I love the rolled up sleeves. I love the gloves on his arms. I love that we're going to tie a Wakandan gauntlet somewhere on there. At some point. <laughs> and then another one, like, give this man a shield is double time, and that's amazing. And also, if you look here, and this is a light, light spoiler. It's on Entertainment Weekly, so I, I feel like we didn't need a spoiler warning here. But you got... Like, War Machine out of War Machine garb, but with techno-organic help with his legs. And yes. it looks like he's got some prosthesis that keep him moving. He's definitely powered there, mm-hmm. uh, is going on. And you have to wonder if that's um, only Tony Stark powered, or if, you know, because we know that they go to Wakanda. Right. That or, yeah. like, T'Challa yeah, goes to them. Sure he can fix that you in, know, like, 12 seconds. You know Shuri is outfitting yes. everybody. I hope, like, while the screen is loading, she just, like, fixes his legs at some point. Because poor Rhodey. Oh, I know, right? But you yeah, know, she'd is. be able to. She saved yeah. Everett Ross. She could save him. Yeah. I have a feeling we're not going to get this until the very end of the movie and it's going to be very frustrating for me to be like Wakanda is right there we like just (laughs) from dude spine this guy's still in leg braces like let's get it together I actually got a cool quote that I found that ties into a lot of stuff that no one's been running big enough yet that uh, we're going to get to after the last image that I think answers a lot I will have to say one of the most horrifying moments for me in Civil War was when War Machine, like everything shut off and then it's just him alone in his suit and the ground is hurtling towards him and I still cannot watch that. I that, can't watch. I had it. like goose PTSD from Top Gun. I was just because I, I knew like, no goose, yeah. goose, because <laughs> like this totally his goose, and I was like, don't kill him. And then he crippled him. It's rough. I mean, the oh. fact that Vision gets there like seconds after he lands too, yeah. like the chase of everyone trying to catch him, I think yeah. is what makes it so horrific. The fall is awful, but like everyone being like, I, I'm trying. Okay, Al, sorry. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of horrifying. Yeah, yeah. and we're talking about um, you know, like the epic change of life circumstances with him. We're not really commentating on you know um, people with uh, uh, differently abled or anything mm-hmm. like that. We're not commenting on that. It's just um. For for this to be like a squirmish that happened with them, and you know they were all kind of pulling their punches and everything, yeah. and then and then you know it's all fun and games until until War Machine gets you know plummeted into a into a field. And then lastly, we have uh, the Black Widow herself looking more and more like a scroll. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I choose a scroll. <laughs> just, just, be- just because of her blonde hair. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> She's a scroll. It's enough. You Where know else? who does not eyebrow scrolls? Yeah. <laughs> so that uh, that's about that image, and it looks like they're in the, the where they were in Civil War. Uh, it reminds me of that kind of office room. I don't know if this is New Avengers Tower, if this is somewhere Starkey. Doesn't quite look Wakandan to me uh, because of the Americanized like atmosphere. It doesn't look like Wakanda. Yeah, it looks like a cafeteria or something. <laughs> uh, sorry, you know? Amanda, we keep flipping back. Yeah, uh, we'll sorry. Go to the next one. We're ready. I, I just, I just picture a lot of baked goods <laughs> behind them. That's, a tr- that's Avengers just, lunch. That's just me. <laughs> I love croissants. All right, and then we got uh, Shuri herself <laughs> wearing and- her Afrofuturistic awesomeness. I need this coat or smock. Whatever it is. Yeah, I look forward to Hot Topic bringing me all of sure goodness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't sleep dress. on my money for this. And it looks waterproof, which is nice. 
Uh, and it looks like they're talking to uh, Mark Ruffalo here uh, in, in banner form. And I'm guessing on the left, uh, we have Scarlet Witch. It looks to me like Scarlet Witch. It looks like longer hair, does not look blonde. So, yeah, I think that's a fair Which, talk about a team up I want to see. Like, Shuri and Scarlet Witch could be doing, like, tech magic meeting. Tech Whoa, magic. Oh, right? that life. Mm-hmm. I yes. want to be in on that brunch. I, I, just, I <laughs> want to hear a, like a science, scientific conversation between Banner and Shuri about like technology oh, and advancements yes. and like more hopefully, science bros. Hopefully that's what uh, this is. Yes. That's what I saw oh. it as. It's like it's him trying to understand the tech because he was not around for Civil War. He hasn't met Black Panther. He lost two years he, of his life. He was in another dimension with Thor. Like, not dimension, but he was in another like was world Hulk. with Thor. So <laughs> he, he comes back so as Banner for the first time, Ooh. meeting Wakandans for the first time, trying to keep up with tech that he's already missed, plus meeting Shuri and be like... Yeah, so. he's like, what is, what is this world? I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited. So and we got one more, I think. And then we have a variation on the image. Uh, this has been in a number of the different trailers coming out. This has been a, a very paused moment in teasers <laughs> because the moment when someone sent me M'Baku standing behind them a few weeks ago that like I just hadn't known because Bla- right. it was right yeah. after Black Panther. It was like Saturday after Black Panther. People were like, oh! And I just... Pfft, like the <laughs> fact that M'Baku has been there the whole time hiding in plain sight. Yeah. So this image of them standing with the Wakandans and just the, the Lord of the Rings scope of what's about to go down and yes. Bucky with his arm and like the Wakandans Wakandan tech of his arm. Have you guys seen the Entertainment Weekly cover with the arm? I have. It's so clearly Wakandan. I love it so much. I just wish his tank top also looked well put together. <laughs> <laughs> his arm is so dope. And then you're like, who dressed you? Yeah, sure he dressed there. him. It's you sure you know. He dressed himself. Ah, I think that's Shuri tech. <laughs> and I, I wonder mm-hmm. if he goes by White Wolf. I wonder, because Winter Soldier, the concept... They called him that. Yeah, because yeah, the, the concept of Winter Soldier is, like, you know, the amnesia dealing with all that stuff, and he's not Bucky because he's fighting, so technically mm-hmm. he's a man without an alias, but White Wolf, at the end of the last film, I wonder if he, like, leads as White Wolf. I wonder if that's what his moniker is now. That's yeah, and uh, for people that are uh, the comic book readers or those that aren't, uh, White Wolf is actually Hunter, and he's um, leader of the Hatut Sarazi mm-hmm. uh, and Black Panther, and that's kind of like a secret police type of a thing. They operated for a long time under Black Panther's uh, last one was uh, T'Chaka, who is, was a good king, but also was a king that was would turn a blind eye to Blood like the, the secret police. Yeah, for doing that. <laughs> While uh, T'Challa had issues with that, and while they still want to uphold their king, they have issues with being discontinued at the same time. Uh, so, but with Hunter, he is adopted by the king. Um, there was a plane crash that happened, mm. and then there, there's like this. Uh, it was, it was a little baby, and you know, was found by these villagers. And one of the women is like, "Oh, I can't give birth." So this is like God, a uh, bass giving me a baby, and takes it to the king to be like, "Oh, we want this to be our baby." And the king's like, "Oh, this is my baby now. This is <laughs> this is Wakanda's baby." <laughs> That's thing. actually the whole thing. Uh, yoink. That's oh actually my in God. it. Yeah. Um, so I will raise this as Wakanda's baby. Solomon story. Like, <laughs> screw cutting the baby in half. I'm just taking the baby. Neither this one of you is my exactly. baby. <laughs> yeah. We but but Hunter baby. is white and he becomes like a, a brother to T'Challa. And then that's the whole line. Yeah. Do you, actually, Amanda, do you want to? Uh, well, here's the arm for one. Here's the awesomeness that is the arm, uh, and it's it's. I love how Wakanda Tech is so specific. You instantly recognize it. I love that they built this universe so thoroughly that it's like obvious. Uh, so that arm looks incredible. I love all the Entertainment Weekly covers. Um, I'm wondering if there's any like thing to the pairing. I wonder if it's just like they, who was there the day. There's even but, a little <laughs> random. Yeah, but there's okay. somewhere I'm like I, I love these two characters. I think it's Star Lord and Shuri that are together, and I'm like those are my two faves. So yeah, I, I think they were just 
just selling magazines. Yeah. So they're so. like, hey, people like these people. If Let's we put, put those if together. we put a Koye and Shuri on one, everybody's just gonna. I love the excitement of it. Like Avengers brought our core team together, but yeah. it seems mm-hmm. like Infinity War is going to be mashing like whole galaxies together. Yes. So the excitement of like who's gonna see who? Because I know what I'm most excited for is like are are Bucky and uh, Iron Man gonna cross paths? Oh yeah, Whoa, right. Like, the last time they saw each other, not parents. good. Not, not good, good at you, all. You put a shield in its heart monitor, essentially. Like yeah, how, like, it, there's so many different uh, conflicts about to happen, ready to happen, and it's I don't know what's going to happen. There's going to be a snark off so with Star Wars and Spider-Man. There's- I just ordered a, a, a rolling luggage from Box Lunch. It's Iron Man and has like uh, his... Um, oh, yeah, I've seen that. And it lights up and it's amazing. But then I was like, but what if he dies? And I'm going to just every time I look at my luggage, I'm going to be really <gasps> upset. It's in memorium of Tony Stark. It's in memoriam of Tony Stark. This is how uh, he has his armor now. Yeah. The fact that no one capitalizing on Iron Man's 2's briefcase with the Iron Man suit by making the outside look like that, shame on you, merchandisers. <laughs> that right. could have been the coolest thing. Sorry, I'd rock a briefcase. Like, the only reason I have a briefcase is if it looked like it was an Iron Man yeah. suit. If, like, for instance, if I had a briefcase, it would lo- look like a Money in the Bank briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> because all, that's that's how I roll. It's all right there. And if that briefcase doesn't exist, how dare you? How <laughs> dare you? And you get on making that, it. ma'am. Because mm-hmm. I know there's like the suitcase where it's just the pattern of it, but this one is actually in the shape of his. That's like, cool. Chest. Nice. As and it has be. the arc reactor, and it lights up, and it's sort of great. And I box launcher, amazing. Yeah, Stay amazing. I'm gonna steal your luggage. That's <laughs> so just happening. We have a bunch of the cover photos, and I think we should flip through them while I read these quotes because mm-hmm. watching me say words is not as exciting as these covers. So these covers are all great. We're gonna flip through them, but these quotes that no one's reporting on enough. Uh, Chadwick Boseman and Mark Ruffalo sat down and Chadwick was asked Chadwick, I know the tone of Black Panther and the character overall is really at odds with the likes of Guardians of the Galaxy's tone, for instance. Those two movies couldn't be more different in that way. What's it like for your character, as much as you can say, to get involved with Peter Quill and those folks? Bozeman responded, quote, you know, that's a good question. No, no, seriously, because that is the difficulty in making a movie like this. You have to see the flavor of each one of them. So I think what is interesting is to have them enter our space, which is not something that happens all the time. I think it's important for us to give the flavor of Wakanda and they're really adjusting to our space. So that will be part of the fun of the movie and the guardians entering it. Obviously there is a clash, all that conflict, but it's not conflict between us necessarily. So it's an emotional, psychological and social conflict. Continuing on, he said, what can you say about the senior shooting today? The Avengers coming to Wakanda. And this is what I think is interesting. I don't think the Soul Stone's there because he says, quote, are you asking why they are here? You have a world problem with Thanos, a problem that affects everyone in the world. So Wakanda is on the world stage and we're obviously advanced in a way where we can help with the situation. So that is all that's happening here. I don't think the Soul Stone's there. Yeah. I think they're asking Wakandans for help. Where is the Soul Stone? Right, because that sounds like... Unless he's like <laughs> pulling a Feige and just lying. Yeah. Uh, it sounds to me like Wakanda. I don't Wakandans, think he is. Think he is. So that just seems like is in Atlantis super and that's our cutscene at more. the end. I really feel like that's my where because that's the next world really that Marvel is going to have to explore, and especially as we We're open up to, to all these mm-hmm. secret societies and mm-hmm. Black Panther being the first to do it. Right. And especially, We've almost got all the Illuminati now. Yeah. yeah and especially his insistence Ooh. on uh, the fact that like, look, we are a global stage now. Uh, no spoilers, but that's something kind of Wakanda is looking to do, it seems like. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that Atlantis is our cutscene, and they're like, the final stone. We have to hide it. <laughs> because we me- know that Thanos doesn't have it. I mean, right. when we saw the... we He has uh, he has reality and power, right? Yeah. So he has those, too. So we know... Um, I'm, I'm going to say Loki had his hero moment uh, <laughs> to save what was left of the refugees. I'm going to say to then give him the Tesseract. but And then, obviously, he 
maybe took out the collector to well no no um uh, xandar mm-hmm. he took yeah so um he might have had to take out them to ooh, I mean, either way, to get the power stone. mysterious last stone that doesn't have any we have no clues yet theoretically yeah. unless there's like a deep cut in iron man one because feige definitely would have done that yeah shit. and it's not heimdall i mean we can all agree on that yeah i think yeah, so right that would be that's just I do think it's cosmic weird. though. I think it's out. I don't know. It's either it, I think it's either Atlantis or uh, the Gardener has or it. Some, yeah, or <laughs> right. something like deep cut space. And there is a giant spoiler on IMDb. Do not go there. Uh, oh, I a, haven't. Oh, so a, don't. There is a character that's listed. Unless you want to know, I'm very upset that I know. We're not going to report on it. We're not sucks. reporting on it because uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's I a giant spoiler. I'm very upset. Um, so don't go unless you want to. Then go, but don't talk about it. I like this. Is like the don't push that button situation. Yeah, where I'm like, the red button. But what but is it? Because I have I don't know. information. <laughs> it was told to me verbally by way of, "Hey, did you hear?" And then they said it, and I was like. No, no. Is that a trailer I haven't seen? Why no, are you no. sharing this no, information? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, it came out. So I'm upset. Anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, so don't don't dive too deep in the internet, gang. And there was also another quote I thought was interesting, saying that uh, Mark Ruffalo said, quote, Banner probably knows more about Thanos than probably anybody, and he's really trying to impress on everybody how dangerous he is. It's a little bit of a chicken little situation. He comes in <laughs> screaming bloody murder. He's seen what damage he can cause and how powerful he is, and the entire group is in disarray. So he's also getting caught up on what's happening here and trying to get them to transcend their differences and impress upon them how much danger they're actually facing. All of our theories are right. Yeah. Uh, So a whole lot of drama. So a whole lot of drama is happening. Stuff happens in space. Cousins fighting cousins. Asgard situation, as we've theorized, and then Banner gets Silver Surfered. Where in remember you in the the Infinity Gauntlet where Silver Surfer gets smashed down to Earth and everybody's like, "What's going on?" He's like, "I gotta tell you, bud." So I think (laughs) that's the shot we theorized from the Doctor Strange moment. This practically confirms it. Yeah. So we know. Well, going from this, I feel like um, he's going to get punched into banner form. I, that's what, yeah, I think he's going to be so injured, and then everybody else is going to be like, "What? <laughs> yeah. What? What?" Um, but yeah, no, it, it totally seems like uh, yeah, Thanos is going to take out the biggest threat, which is Earth's Asgard, mm-hmm. um, Wakanda. So he sends out he sends his outriders. He sends you know his uh, what number three guy. Outriders <laughs> uh, and Wakanda. Sends some Cole Obsidian. Um, you know. To take out Wakanda, and then Wakanda's going to hand him his butt. Mm-hmm. That's just Wakanda. This is, you don't come from Wakanda. No, no. They're Wakanda gonna comes the, from the you. The for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then the last quote is interesting to me about Hulk himself. Uh, the reporter, Slash Film, by the way, has the Slash Film is great. Uh, Slash Film asks, is he monosyllabic in this? Um, we're starting to find a Hulk. The division between Hulk and Banner is starting to blur a little bit. So you have a Hulk that can actually express himself without being angry. There are sentences, yes, we're getting into like five-year-old. Did, so, they, did they not see Thor Ragnarok? Of course he can talk. But like they're, they're advancing. Like it sounds like he's not okay. just the, the angry water fire. No, like, he was doing full sentences. He was at least doing it at a five to six year old level. Like maybe seven year old where he's like, uh, you know, Thor, the Hulk like fire. Oh yeah, Thor like, like sitting in the bed gets a little five year old. Yeah, Thor like water. <laughs> so it sounds like he goes a little, a little further. A little bit. He used the word smoldering. Touche. I mean. Touche. That that that's depicts a for that's at least eight nine years old. <laughs> let's say, or that's an extremely precocious. We're talking like Charles Wallace precocious <laughs> yes! six year old dream scenario. He gets punched back into Banner, and then when he comes back, he's Gray Hulk, and he's he's in a position Help of me being. Jesus. Can you imagine? <laughs> so he can't turn back into Hulk, and then he does under pressure, and he's Gray Hulk, and he can speak, and we get the full. Well, Feige's already said that, like, instead of giving Hulk a solo movie, they're going to try to space out. Planet breaking Hulk. Hulk. Right. Yeah. What a great arc! Yeah. What a great. New it arc. sounds like this is going to be part 
two after Thor Ragnarok, yeah. which mm-hmm. has a lot of sense. So, man, how cool would wow. that be? It'd be freaking awesome, Like, a Mr. (laughs) Fix-It situation, I would be, yeah. So, uh, we have our last story to go through before we dive into Jessica Jones, spoiler-free, then spoiler-full, and that is, in the Netflix universe, everyone's favorite show, Iron Fist, is getting a season two. Everyone. (laughs) Everyone's Uh, favorite show. Iron Fist season two. Everyone Uh, loves it. The best thing about what Iron Fist 2 could be is that if they go full Heroes for Hire, and I think that Mm. Marvel reads, reads... blogs, Marvel listens to the fans, Marvel knows what we want, and they know we want more Luke Cage Iron Fist, because one of the best things in the Defenders was seeing the dynamic between those two. Their scenes together were great. We have Finn Jones, he's been hopefully living, sleeping, and breathing in a dojo, and he's learning as much as he can, and also, I love your idea about the mask. I love the idea yes, of... Yes, mask this man. Please, <laughs> please put a put a mask on Finn Jones mm-hmm. so that you can get a stunt performer that can do all of the Iron Fist stuff. I think you're asking too much of an actor that did not grow up with martial arts to be the best martial arts of all to time. Be, to be that person. And the simple thing to do is the same, same thing you do with Matt Murdock. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and have him protect his personality. He's a billionaire. There is no reason why he wouldn't protect his person, uh, his his person. Identity. His yeah. identity. Thank you. He wouldn't protect his identity from the rest of the world and there's no reason at not this to point. For the, for the character. There's no reason there's not to no have There's no reason the not to. If, if you're so against, you know, the, the green and yellow, mm-hmm. I understand. Go with a different color choice, but... Uh, Look at cover Daredevil his season, face Daredevil season one suit we love for an entire season we love that mm-hmm. suit and like we got it in the last episode that means 12 hours we were cool with that ninja suit Iron Fist is a literal ninja maybe dress him like a ninja so for yeah. me yeah. the You're idea fighting in uh, like uh, your uh, button uh, up and your <laughs> tight pants and it's, it's not disrespectful to Finn Jones himself he doesn't know Kung Fu since birth right. because yeah, he's which is actor. fine you, you got him for other reasons mm-hmm. than his uh, martial arts so don't make the man do martial arts season two more for daughters, him and for us more daughters of the dragon Dragon, uh, give yes, us Shang- Colleen Wing, Simone Missick, Shang Chi. Bring him into the show. The like, bromance have that is go real. Look, bring us the bromance. If we could also maybe get like more of a zen kind of like my biggest problem in watching Iron Fist season one is that Finn is like he's like a zen dude. Like we, he's mm-hmm. a guy. He's a guy who's mastered. His martial arts, mm-hmm. but here we have a guy who's always complaining. Who's always he's trying such to keep, a brat. Sit still. He's such a brat. Who doesn't have any long form like thought process? If we yeah. could get like an actual guy who's like, okay, what are we doing? How can I help the daughters? Like, I have an actual plan. I'm gonna meditate and think on this. I'd be an actual adult. I think that would help the series go really far. And I want to see how it blends into like the greater world at large. Let's bring in Heroes for Hire. It's, it's right time. there. It's yeah. time. And Let's I, just I think that's do what they're that. going to do. And I think so. We have a couple images real quick. Yeah. Uh, and they are, you know, Kung Fu Finn Jones. Looks like he's taking a guy out. He's in uh, at least a hood. Uh, and I think that Chris Brewster or Earl Rom Choi should play freaking Iron Fist. Those are both actual ninjas. Stunt guys, really, like, Iron Fist could be a stunt guy. And then we got one more picture, I think. Uh, and I cannot tell who that is. Oh, wait. That last image was. Uh, was let me see. The the screen's super dark. Who is the woman here? Uh, Alice Eve. Is it Alice Eve? As, oh, yeah, it's Alice Eve, who we don't, I think, know the character she's I playing I don't believe yet. we do. So, Alice Eve fighting Finn Jones. Finn Jones on his back. We know nothing about this except for this uh, shows us Alice Eve in fighting form and that there is a confrontation and Alice Eve is great. So, I'm excited. Now, it. the moment we've been waiting for. The Yay! dive in. Let us discuss spoiler-free. Spoiler-free no spoilers, first. Just Jessica Jones. You know, so... We'll start our, with the our guests, yes, yeah. our guests, please. Well, we were talking a little bit in our ride over. I know a lot of people are complaining about the initial start pace of the show. Yeah, uh, but to me, I I really love the pace. I feel like 
one of my biggest complaints about the Marvel shows is that, uh, and I guess a lot of Netflix shows tends to be the pacing, but I think when you're dealing with uh, recovering addicts in multiple characters, taking it slow and figuring out, like, you really get to learn their tics. Like, you really see someone backsliding into a lifestyle that they don't want to be living. You get to really see, like, what a daily fight against addiction is like. You get to see what someone coming to terms with their addiction is like. I think if you're going to address that theme, it should be done well. I have a lot of uh, people in my life who are either addicts or children of addicts, and they cannot watch shows about addiction because they're not accurate or Mm. honest in their portrayal. This is honest, and I think if you can get through maybe the first half, if it's dragging for you, if you're not finding where it's clicking, get through those first six episodes. But episode seven, it really takes off, and all of that stuff, for my money, really paid off. Uh, I think that, um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with the sentiment, though, about the beginning of the season having this, like, really, like, slow trudge start. Also, Trish was really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I could not stand her. I still can't stand her. Um, and I think it's probably just not, it's not going to be working for her. Um, I don't know. There was this sort of sense where the season starts off with Trish basically becoming a savior for Jessica and be like, you're going to deal with your stuff. And I'm going to, like, dig up your past for you. And Jessica's, like, not about it at first and it kind of felt really forced and I'm not this sure. This is a manic person slipping back into their addiction. This is a manic person who says I don't want to deal with the issues I'm having. Let me solve your issues. Like if I can deal with your issues maybe my life is better. It's ugly and it's awful especially given the Trish we had first season is such a rock and, and a place of comfort for Jessica and the smart one the one you want Jessica to listen to. You're like yes follow your sister's example. Look at what she's been able to do with her life. Like it's incredible. So it's I, to viewers' credit, I understand being like, I don't want to watch a person that I admired one season fall so hard. But again, it's just honest. Like, it's an honest portrayal. And, and I think, like, to the, all the actors' credits, I think they pulled it off really well. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, um, but to piggyback off of what you're saying, Joelle, um, yeah, I, that's actually a reason why I very much enjoyed um, season two. I enjoyed season one more, but yes. I enjoyed what season two had to say, definitely. And one of the things that I think it depicts in a very honest and not in your face way, it's like in a quiet way, like how life will be telling you certain cycles and things that you keep on doing. And it takes like an awareness for you to even realize that you're doing that. I feel like with Jessica Jones season two, it shows you that pattern in other people's lives, like the slippery slope of addiction. And you have that with Malcolm where, you know, in season one, you know, got him off the drugs. Thank God got him off of that, but he still has an addictive personality. And With that, he then looks to Jessica Jones to be like, hey, I'm going to do something good with my life. I'm going to make your business better. I'm going to do good for you. You have to let me do this because this is how this is how I work. And then while he's doing that, you know, he's replacing addiction with another addiction. Another addiction. And then you have Trish doing the exact same thing where she's like, you're going to deal with all your issues, like you were saying, um, because she can't really deal with hers. And then she replaces an addiction with another addiction as we as we find out as we go along. And that's with a lot of characters. You have that with Trisha's mother. I mean, you you have that. You even have that with a Jerry. Chin. Was what? With Jerry, too. You have that with Jerry, most definitely. In fact, uh, not only that with Jerry, do you have that slippery slope of addiction, but you also have what... 
I think I would probably go through. I'm not saying that I'm going to throw, you know, a streetwalker drug party, but <laughs> I am saying that I would definitely escape from the horrid circumstances of my life or what I thought my life was. So I feel like Jessica Jones does what it did in season one, but in a very quiet and realistic way. And I feel like people are so used to in your face with messages that they don't realize when it's like, hey, uh, you know, this very quiet note that's under your door that you read the note and it's like, oh, wow, that's my life or that's the life of my friends or that's the life of this person that I'm trying to help right now. And I feel like that's what season two does with the first half. And then with the second half, there's all this payoff mm-hmm. from all this quiet setup that happened. For me, the show represented uh, the first season, Jessica Jones being a brick wall, her being fortified, her being like, like having endured all this stuff and just drinking away her problems. The second season for me was after, uh, we're not going to spoil season two yet, but I'm going to spoil season one. I'm sorry. After what she did to Purple Man, uh, that to me was second season was an open wound. She was a broken character. We saw every episode more salt being poured in and just her slowly devolving. And I thought it was an interesting take to have such a strong character be exposed, not as weak, but as broken. And I really liked that this was a story of like this, this what was the Bachdahl test. This, this was a show of breaking that because it was all women. And like they, I love that they dealt with uh, female themes that I wouldn't normally be exposed to as a, as a white dude. Uh, in ways that didn't feel like they were beating me over the head with it or pandering. And they also didn't villainize every man. They villainized a lot of men for doing horrible guy things, but like Malcolm didn't turn out to be like bad guy. And I loved that the, the, the male love interest had so many ups and downs. And I love that we didn't ever have like this horrible moment of, of toxic masculinity that felt like it was for the sake of toxic masculinity. Everything felt like it had a shape that evolved the story and moved arcs forward. And I also loved that each and every woman on the show had such a thorough arc. I've mm-hmm. never thought I would care that much about Jerry. I never thought <laughs> I would be so invested in a subplot that involved a character right. that was so brusque. Because you've got a, a show about brusque women. You've got a show about women that yeah. can handle their own. Jerry's an a-hole. And then you get yeah, the, the man, hardest Jerry's woman and you hero. feel the most for her. Right. So it's, for me, this was a really important show for women as not being one. It's a weird thing to say, but I felt like it was really, like while I was watching, I was like, oh, I'm really glad this is here for people that need it. No, so but I, to your yeah. credit, I feel like oftentimes when we say like, oh, the show features women, there's an automatic connotation that, okay, well, it's specifically for women and i think to your point what you're saying is like as a dude like this was a show where i got to like i love women and i got to watch women yeah. being dope Those and that's right. what i want out of content like i just want to be able to watch a show where i'm like i care for these people it's, it's a female driven show that was driven by females and it felt like that and and there was a moment in uh it's not a spoiler i promise you there's a moment later in the series where she like takes off her clothes and i was like oh, this is a moment showing vulnerability, not sexualizing a beautiful yes. body. Yes. And, and it was an actual conscious moment of being like, oh, I'm not turned on by a body. I feel awful that she's vulnerable. And it was really cool as a dude to be like, hey, I'm not going to pause this because naked. I'm like, oh, fuck, she's so fuck. she's so broken and messed up. And I've never broken on the show. In the, in the three years of being on the show, I've never done it. But that's how much that affected me being like, ugh. And like, that's, that's beautiful. So yeah. that really... And uh, as a female, I enjoyed the levels of the males yeah. uh, for yeah. for this particular, like with Malcolm, he had such an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. It was like there were so many levels. It's like he's trying to find himself. And he's trying to help other people uh, along with just like just crushing circumstances for for where he existed right then yeah. and trying to find his own way. Uh, that uh, including you know, like the, the love interest and then um you know, chin and and everything that happened with with those people. I just I 
And even um, I really enjoyed. Okay, because <laughs> this is we're about to go spoilers. If just yeah, um, I be, we're very used to big bads. Yeah. Right, mm. we're very used to big bads, and I enjoy a story that doesn't necessarily pin all the bad on one person. Mm-hmm. That there is such a gray area, and it all depends on circumstances and. People are put in circumstances and they can do bad, horrid things in that while still being a victim of those circumstances and those Agreed. things. No, no, and that's, that's very tactful. Very, very yeah. Tactful. yeah. On point, yeah. So yeah. We're gonna, we, all, we all had a little piece of non-spoilers. Uh, we've all, all seen it, right? All, all four yeah. of us. Yeah, well, before we move on from non-spoiler, uh, I did want to like make a note for like a lot of the comic book readers like i i love alias it's one of my favorite so i think there might be a sort of like an issue with a lot of people who love the character wanting the character to be similar to what she was in the comics but you know like the work that like brian michael bendis did was amazing but at the end of the day it is like a jessica told through a male gaze and we're seeing a jessica told through Mm. a a woman's gaze like what the character would be so i think that it's really great that we're getting a different incarnation of the character and getting to know her and Mm. just the power of how this season has allowed all these characters to be vulnerable is that's a great point yeah Full spoilers now. So full spoilers. 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 This is the are full happening. spoiler <laughs> alert. We can't help you more than this. Yes. We'll wave our hands again if we have enough time to do Mary Marvelites today. But spoiler. So, spoilers. Uh, now, the thing that I loved the most, and I uh, now personally, I like season one more. Uh, there are other shows that I identify with more, so I can't separate like that from my my viewing of it. Like I'm a Daredevil season two diehard, and I'm a Punisher <laughs> diehard because those are both shows I didn't expect as much out of. So like I don't want to rate shows because that's not fair to shows. They're so different tonally. But yeah. for me, I can just compare season one to season two. I think it's fair. Uh, I like season one more for Kilgrave uh, and the shape that it allowed the show to take. And it was actually a really interesting thing for me for the episode of Kilgrave being like. <gasps> I missed you! And that was a really weird moment to, like, have in a second season to be like, oh, that thing! So, for me, the show had some issues where it, uh, I love that they had all different directors for every episode, but at points it made the show feel, like, different for each episode, and that yes, threw me. There totally. were moments where I was like, this is a great show. Oh, what's, why is that person acting like a different character? And, yeah. like, why is the tone? And that works sometimes, but for me, that was a flaw, and I want to get through the flaws first, because there's a lot of good, but flaw-wise, mm-hmm. that was really jarring. And I also, at points, felt like the writing, uh, kind of had... I haven't seen superhero writing in a while, but there were moments where it was like, superhero! And he brought you back to Grounded, and I was like, okay, uh, jarring tone, and that might have been the directors, might have been having so many different writers, that might have been all that. But overall, it definitely felt like one thing, and I talked about it on Heroes with you guys, that I loved that it was able to do really, really, really Grounded and really super heroic. This show had the wizard in it, and that felt right. (laughs) And that's insane. We got wizard, and it also didn't pull punches. Like, it killed Nuke episode two or three, Mm -hmm. and it didn't uh, didn't make the show feel cheap. It made it feel like there were stakes. So there was a lot of good... uh, involving some of the bad that it's just probably having so many directors but it was really cool to me to have a show that had such high stakes that kept escalating because this is the first marvel show i think that um this and punisher i think got better as they went along uh, i think the second half of the show was better than the first and that like usually there's that moment halfway through the season where you're like oh new villain oh new villain uh, so, so for me this really worked it just kept getting better so i really love the second half of the show uh and i really think it was cool to see a character evolve in a way that felt so on track so, 
Totally. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to clarify something. When you say superhero writing, do you mean like all of the kind of almost to camera one-liners? Yeah, it felt like <laughs> I really enjoyed those. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know that it's it's cheesy, and I could definitely see where it might take somebody out of mm-hmm. what it is we're going for. But to me, those were the moments that were like breaths of fresh air. I think as much as season one is about initial trauma and like trauma for lack of a better word, is exciting. Like, there's a lot happening to you as you address it. There's a lot of, you like, Jessica swinging like a giant pendulum, like, to, to different ways to coax her uh, trauma. And then on top of that, you have Kilgrave, who's just, like, this out-of-sight villain. Like, like to me, Kil- when the show first came out, I was doing a lot of comparing uh, Kilgrave to Daredevil's first villain. Why am I blinking on his name? Kingpin? Yes, Kingpin? the okay. Kingpin. Because I thought Kingpin is a masculine version of a villain. Mm. You know, he's all strength, he's all bulk, he's all about power and owning and possessing. Whereas Kilgrave is more like, I'm going to get into your mind, mm-hmm. I'm going to know you better than you know yourself, and then I'm going to use that to destroy you from the inside. Which is a trait we typically give to female villains. Um, and so to see those two... Mm. but like Kilgrave... Yeah. I like that idea of... Yeah, uh, I thought of that. Cool. Yeah. Kilgrave terrifies me to my core. Like, everything about Kilgrave was horrifying. Every time he showed up on screen, I was like, I can't... Like, I have anxiety and I have to watch the show very slow. What I loved about season two was, like, the idea of Kilgrave is always there. The way they use purple in oh, season yeah. two is so, so good. good. So and good. he shows up in everything. Like, when another guy is hitting on her, even. Yeah, mm-hmm. suddenly it's purple. And it's that inkling of, like... Oh yeah, he's like, always yeah. there. Yeah, he's exactly watching, waiting. He Kilgrave lived in our head someone, for years. Kilgrave is somebody's ex-boyfriend, you know. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like well, their ex in general. Their yeah. ex in general. Um, yeah, no. Season one was my favorite, but I think it's really interesting with like Jessica Jones is that we're so used to uh, going back to some of the the bigger universe of like oh season two. There's just like back fighting crime and like taking names and stuff, but there are a few. Character, sort of like universes that deal with um, traumas in a very specific way. So with Jessica Jones, we had that beginning where it was like the PTSD. And then in season two, it's sort of still discussing the, the aspects of addiction with Jessica well, and everyone face your fears, as well. Like, how do you move right. forward and continue to live your life? Because I think a lot of people think of addiction as like, you beat it. You no longer want to drink when in fact mm. it's like, no, you've identified you you want to go back. But now to you it. have to figure out how to like live with it and cope with it or move away from it and it reminds me a lot how it with uh guardians volume one and volume two where like they felt very similar in certain things that they were tackling with like the first mm-hmm. film like oh we're a family the second film what are the dynamics within our family and how are we going to address that mm-hmm. and um i think it's great that these movies are allowing themselves to explore these i mean these shows and movies are allowing themselves to explore these different concepts yeah i really enjoyed um the very human fallacies that we have being kind of showcased in this. Like uh, something that Jessica Jones kept on going back to is that she's like, hey, I killed Kilgrave. I felt the pop Mm -hmm. in his neck. And we're kind of trained that once you conquer something, hey, you (laughs) You did it. You move on. Guess what? That's wiped clean. That no longer exists anymore. And that's not true. I mean, like to do a a thing with like Simpsons, you know, we're not a, a countertop that you can just wipe off with some bleach. We're the bath mat. That's in the in the bathroom, <laughs> yeah. and it and it all sticks there. You wash it, but is it ever mm-hmm. really that clean? Um, and that's kind of what it is. And then for Jessica to continuously be broken and and we're with like a, well, we're in the spoiler section. Mm-hmm. So with things with her with her mother and figuring out that the big bad was her mom 
but her mom was supposed to be dead and now she's alive and you have your mom back and but your mom has you know has a an effect to, done to her out of her control and i'm guessing that it was like actual brain damage yeah. with a car accident i don't believe it was the i don't believe it was a, the the gene therapy i don't believe it was that and so if she had been able to come back she would still be like this and i feel like that is a very real medical thing that that mm-hmm. just happens um but to to have this and then to have her go back on what she does consider to be the line and she even discusses this where she's like the line keeps on moving i keep on stepping over it and it's this that was so powerful to me mm. i i absolutely because when you think about it that resonates with every other character that you have there with malcolm where he replaces his uh was it heroin well his drug yeah, addiction with heroin that. with sex so he becomes a, a sex addict we just give malcolm some credit for that arc man malcolm was so wow. good in this season like seeing malcolm go from like strung out to healthy season one seeing him go from healthy to like dude season two like suited up nice hair like ready to take on the world and then working for that guy so like swole. yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know he did two? get good i was like well okay bro get it malcolm and the way they played with addiction for like even working out like the way mm-hmm. that you that one scene of him like shirtless working out it didn't feel healthy and i really like that as a dude that's like okay i go through spurts of addiction to the gym and like sometimes it's not healthy like there are points as a guy where you're like guys do suffer from body dysmorphia at times and guys do mm-hmm. suffer from addiction at times in ways that like don't get translated well and when, mm-hmm. for a female driven show to translate male addiction to sex and working out well i was like ah malcolm like it was really cool to have a character that a guy can watch and go like that's my guy. That's that's my point of view in the series. And Malcolm just had that, and he was handled so well. It never felt trite, never felt cliche. Uh, and a better mm. example of that comic writing, I thought of um, when she ran out of the spray right before the the thing. That that to me is comic writing. It's not yeah. yeah, you felt it because all the time I'm like, this is gonna run out yeah. eventually. And girl. then she like, the moment, yeah. she doesn't notice it running low. She's just like, I had some. Oh no, I'm out. Oh, I've got a job interview. That to me is like comic writing, where it's okay, like yeah. this is a bit much. Yeah. Like, I felt that's... for her though. I felt for her because. Uh, she had had such a sheltered life where she either had Dorothy or Jessica Jones holding her up. And even when she went to, and I'm talking about Trish, even when she went to like the bottom rung about to blow a guy in the bathroom, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, that, that happened in the, in the series. Um, like even getting to that point and then, but Jessica's there, yeah. you know, that kind of a thing. So to get to a point where she's hiding this, Again, and she's hiding it semi-successfully, and then to get to the point where she's like, oh, okay, you know, I'm doing good, I'm doing, you know, I, I did the thing, and then, and yeah. it's gone. And it's like, what, what, and then just like the, the tumbling down the slope yeah. from there, and oh my God, I can't believe what she did. I can't believe that she was so selfish as a friend and as a person, and so wrapped up in her own mess, so jealous about having powers that she took away the most precious thing that Jessica Jones had. Yeah. And I think also that had to do something with her taking it away. And that the there was precious, that little demon in there. The most precious thing that Malcolm had too. She took away sobriety. She she took like, she took, she took that away, away. Malcolm sobriety. This is Jessica what addiction Jones. does like, that was to a people. For me. It was when this she was destroying this is what I'm talking about about that that note underneath underneath your door, like this soft buildup mm-hmm. to all of this, so it doesn't come out of anywhere. That's why I think as a package they deliver this so well. And I was like, ah, I got kind of goosebumps right now because it's not it's not a it's not a feel good. <laughs> thing Mm-mm. it's yeah. not 
I mean, it's a catharsis in some ways where it's like, oh, hey, I'm I'm not that messed up yeah. or my family is not <laughs> that messed up because this is people go through this. Um, Everyone felt really real in their in their delivery of how their arc landed. Like I love the dad just being a dad the whole time. Like he was always protecting yeah. his and, kid. And Carl, Doctor right. Carl, yeah. he literally he was. He, he he wasn't a bad bad scientist. Not like um uh, Carl Malice and in, in, <laughs> yeah. in the actual comics. Uh, that's a mad scientist. Yeah. That's that is a ridiculous caricature of a person demon. Um, person but, demon of a person <laughs> demon. Cool, that's who Doctor Carl cool Malice is in moment? Can we give him some credit? The, that awesome Trish moment that I didn't know was going to happen. Is it is it the raking the no, face? No, the phone drop. When the phone dropped and she caught it on her foot, and you realize oh, yeah, like, yeah. Well, I was like she oh, might have she's powers. Got it. That was a really cool like yeah. does she doesn't she moment mm-hmm. because it's the very end. She probably has powers, but the combination of the cat moment there, yeah, where she's and like, then that yeah. like oh yeah. I wanted to ask you guys: Did you feel because I'm reading some reviews online and everything? So some people felt that after Trish kills her mother, which I also think she was upset that Jessica might have a mom who. Yeah, would basically her. replace yeah. her as her mom. Well, yeah. no, which is what I felt. That, like, Trish, Trish never had, like... Trish never had like a good mom either. Right. You know yeah. what yeah. I mean? Like, which only gets very hammered home this season. Yeah, and the fact that Jessica has a mom who loves her and wants to go out of the country with her. Yeah. And, like, we'll go to freaking war zones and like tear it up, boo. Mm-hmm. I, I think, as you say, like that's Trish's inner monster was coming out a little bit. But I wanted to know if you guys thought like I read some reviews where they said Jessica understood that her mother had to die. But she was upset that Trish was one who had to pull the trigger. I didn't read the scene that way. Like, for me, it, Jessica would never have ever let her mother die. Yeah, I think it would have been the raft in yeah. the future. Yeah. Which I, think, I, also, I think that's what I love happened. that the raft was mentioned but never shown. Because yeah. that gives Marvel <laughs> yeah. the opportunity to make it whatever they want. I, I think it was an excuse. I think she just didn't know what to say. And that was like a, a knee-jerk answer. Like, but it, because cause when you're angry, you just say stuff. I think yeah. no matter what, like, she saw that as a betrayal. So it wouldn't matter that if her mom died. Like, that's not the solution um yeah. i next, also have to wonder if um uh trish wasn't jessica jones's addiction yeah there's that's the beauty of the show mm-hmm. there's so many venn diagrams of relations yeah. well yeah because um, i think like with with trish she had jessica basically propping her up for most of her life but then also like there was this threat of like losing your family yeah too. yeah uh i have Ooh. to it is 3 30 we went yeah. half an hour so we got to start wrapping up but next week we'll try to touch on some more spoilers we'll try mm-hmm. to dive back in a little bit we can't make it the whole show again but uh jessica jones is 13 hours so 20 minutes on it. it's never gonna be enough obviously there's so obviously. much to dissect yeah. uh, obviously it isn't where can they find you guys in the okay internet? uh spoiler, spoiler alert over, over. <laughs> hi oh god this is amazing uh, you can find me all over the internet at joan monique and every week at blackgirlnerds.com you can find me on Twitter at Sabina Has No R and weekly on Superhero News on YouTube. Wonderful. Thank you, guys. Where are going to find you? Uh, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Markeia McCarty, M-A-R-K-E-I-A-M-C-C-A-R-T-Y. And I'm uh, doing a horror campaign at Hyper RPG. That is Mondays at 6 p.m. PST, uh, twitch.tv slash Hyper RPG. Um, it's uh, three episodes. The final of this uh, ho- tragic horror will be on March 20th. So please join us then. And you can find me at C-O-Y-J-A-N-D-R-E-A-U on Twitter and Instagram and here every Tuesday. And you guys are great. We'll see you next week. Woo! From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.